We are back. Joining us again on the program is Mr. Richard C. Hodlett, a legend, really, of uh, broadcasting both in radio and television. While I was down in Los Angeles this weekend, I took the time to go to the Museum of Television and Radio in Beverly Hills. Uh, The director, Barbara Dixon, uh, was good enough to appear on this program last year. And I pulled up some old uh, video recordings of the 1950s, uh, showing a roundtable discussion. Uh, Dan Shore talked about uh, the distinguished groups that were put together by Edward Murrow. And indeed, there was Mr. Hotlet joining the discussion at the right hand of uh, the man who invented broadcast journalism, Edward R. Murrow. On last week's program, Richard Hotlet talked about meeting the Fuhrer, Adolf Hitler, while as a young reporter working for CBS Radio in Berlin. During a bombing run that took place in the Battle of the Bulge, uh, his plane was struck and Richard Hotlet had to bail out, thankfully over Allied-controlled territory as the war wound to an end. Uh, A few few weeks back, we played for you his contemporaneous account of the beaches of Normandy on D-Day. And uh, he said he would talk to us a bit about current events, and uh, here to do so once again is Richard C. Hotlet. Thank you for joining us, Mr. Hotlet. Sure. Well, you, you've written pieces for the Christian Science Monitor that's uh, critical of administration efforts in the war in Iraq right now. What would you like to see happen over in, in the Middle East? In the Middle East? Well, that, that, that's too broad. Think, let's well, let's no, say no, let's confine no, it to no. Iraq. Well, I think I think the Middle East is is the right is the right terminology. Okay. What has got what has got to happen for any semblance of normality to to come back, and it's not by any means an easy thing, is a settlement of the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. That is, that is what poisons the whole thing. The, the Arab world, is, which, which is not necessarily you know, the, the perfect society, the Arab world is, is infuriated by what is going on. Of course, in, in Iraq, sort of the brilliance of the, of the, of the military operation, which moved from, from Kuwait to Baghdad in no time flat, uh, was had a conceptual flaw too. They were island hopping the way the way MacArthur hopped islands in the Pacific. You could afford to bypass an island and then you know pick it up later. Yeah. But in city hopping, you couldn't leave cities sort of un, untouched uh, because they, they they were they were tactically uh, not important. Uh, in in moving into a country like Iraq or in, into any country. You had to go with infantry. They had to go maybe quickly, the, the, the armored point and the rest. But the, the might, the, the military power to control what it was you had conquered uh, had to be right up there. In other words, there had to be a post-victory uh, occupation plan. And the incredible thing is that the State Department had spent months working out a, you know, a, a reasonable plan of what to do and what to do first and where to do it and how to do it and with whom. And this was just thrown out of the window by the Pentagon, by the uh, ideologues in the, in the Pentagon. And uh, for it was substituted what is some, some mishmash, some garbage that was put together by, the, by Shal- Shalabi, the, this uh, very questionable uh, Iraqi 
who had charmed his way into the into the Pentagon and into the White House by telling them what they wanted to hear. Sure. He was the source of you will be welcomed with with candy and and, and flowers and you will be hailed as liberators and and you you should you should debathicize uh, these terrible people who had who had supported uh, Saddam Hussein. It was a, a an ideological masterpiece and ca- catastrophic because what it meant was that we could not control what we had conquered. And uh, the Iraqi people, of course, stunned as shock and awe for this stupid remark, were stunned when, when, we, when, you know, when, when it was all over. But then they waited for some kind of civil administration, which had ta- you know, been imposed immediately after, sure. after uh, conquest, after occupation, in starting with Sicily and up to Italy and in Germany and, and, in, and in Japan. None of that existed. It didn't exist. The, the Pentagon had thrown it out, and they, they relied on Mr. Shalaby and, and his freaks. They just completely disbanded the army and the police force, which... Uh, which I thought was just amazing to, uh, to see them talking about that. Like, amazing, how could they do that? Amazing. I mean, the idea that, you know, in, in a conquered, conquered territory, you would just throw away those people who would help you organize it and, and keep, keep the peace there, keep essential security, because security is the, the invaluable ingredient in restoring some kind of, of normal political order. Without security, you can't do anything. And they let security go fly out the window, and they never, ever restored it. They've, they've built some schools, and they've done good works, and the, the American GI is a, is a fine fellow, and, and you know, he's a, a, a great ambassador for the United States. But here they found themselves plunged into this, this meat grinder of, you know, of, of, of asymmetrical warfare, where they, instead, of, instead of having an army to defeat, which they could do you know, with a, their left hand, they found themselves fighting people they didn't see and couldn't recognize, uh, women, children, what have you. Uh, being ambushed from, from you know, in, from, in alleyways. The effect has been awful. It has destroyed our credibility in, in the Iraq. It has destroyed our, the leadership position and the respect that we were held in, in, in among our allies in, in Europe and elsewhere. At the end of the day, I, I mentioned the, the Israeli-Palestinian problem. Uh, as long as we support a, a, an extremist government policy such as that written by, by Ariel Sharon in, in, in Israel, we are not going to win one, one heart or mind in the Arab world. We could go on for another 15 minutes about, about Afghanistan, which is another thing where we, we went in quite properly, and actually we went in, we had full support, the support that NATO could provide. There are still thousands of NATO troops uh, in and around Kabul in the so-called uh, international uh, security and and, and uh, assistance force, um, which you know, they they wouldn't they wouldn't send a soldier into except for the Brits and, and maybe the few Poles, but NATO wouldn't wouldn't have any part of of Iraq, and they still won't yet because their view is and one can hardly blame them, it's your mess you started it you wanted it, you wanted a war of choice. It, it was an unnecessary war. Saddam could have been, who was a monster, and who certainly deserved to be, to be thrown out, he could have been dealt with in other ways, infinitely cheaper, and without the loss of blood. I mean, we have lost 800-odd people, and, and thousands of, of wounded and maimed. 
so that the, the 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 idea of this war being a war of choice, which was the opposite of World War II, which was a, a war forced upon the United States, and um, a war which 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 was unnecessary because of the the you know the, the monster could have been dealt with in other ways. It's going to take generations to live down, and the and the and the United States states which for 60 years, from 1941 until until uh, 2001, was respected and honored and trusted by by its allies, which was you know which which had an idea where they didn't, and which could do things that they couldn't or wouldn't. Uh, this United States and this relationship is now fundamentally altered, and it's going to take a very long time. And, and very, very serious and talented creative, creative efforts to remedy. Well, Mr. Hout, we've been saying many of these things on, on the program for the past year, and I'm gratified to hear an analysis coming from you that, that echoes uh, many of the same points. Well, uh, I think anybody who really wonders about what's going on and why, you know, has got to come to some such conclusion. Now that that's what we thought. <laughs> well, Mr. Hotler, thank you so much for talking to us. Thank you. All righty. Bye-bye. Well, we appreciate it very much uh, uh, the wisdom of Richard C. Hodlett, whose uh, journalistic career goes back six decades. We hope that um, he will uh, enlighten us at some point again in the future about what is going on in, uh, in the world at large. We have a few minutes left on today's program, so I wanted to uh, just mention something that, um, well, we don't have time to go into in depth, but uh, t- two or three weeks ago, the Sacramento News and Review our local investigative uh, 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 newspaper, well, frequently an investigative newspaper, did an article on local radio. Talked about issues of um, of uh, student licensing of stations, and specifically talked about Capital Public Radio, which is licensed to broadcast through Cal State University, and yet doesn't have a great deal of direct involvement by any students or or people at CSUS. Now, of course, um, you know, we can see uh, this issue from both sides. We sometimes participate uh, with the good folks over at Cap Radio in, in their, uh, the fine products they disseminate over the airwaves. And, and here we are at a college community-run station as well. So um, uh, this is something we want to get into, but I did notice that in a subsequent issue of the News and Review last week, in fact... Our own Todd Urich signed in with a rather uh, scathing evaluation of the situation over at CSUS. Now, uh, Todd always follows us on this program, but I think next week we're going to see if we can't, uh, you know, arrange this better and, and talk a little bit about uh, about the situation in local radio. There's a lot to say, of course. Um, we're going to try and get Christine Kraft uh, of KGO and formerly of KFBK to speak with us on the program about uh, working for Air America. She's currently over on the AM dial at KSQR, 1240 AM, as part of what Al Franken's doing out of New York. Uh, Christine has said she'd be happy to uh, to speak with us. There's a few personal matters she has to attend to, but uh, look forward to uh, having her on the program um, sometime in the future. And uh, in closing, I would just like to note that in the same news and review, which was in fact last week's issue, where Todd's letter appears, we have a wonderful cartoon showing the old classic Romulus and Remus. Of course, the legend of the founding of Rome was that the two twins were raised by a she-wolf. And of course, you've probably seen the artwork of ancient Rome showing the wolf and uh, the baby, uh, the babies, the, the infants, suckling from beneath the, um, the canine, their canine mom. 
Well, they did a take up on this in a cartoon in the News and Review titled Remus and Romulus, showing Mayor Heather Fargo as the she-wolf with Joe and Gavin Maloof as the two youngsters underneath with um, the breasts of the wolf being labeled sales tax for a downtown stadium. (laughs) It's captioned, according to legend, Sacramento was founded by twin brothers Remus and Romulus. Thrown into the river at birth, they were rescued and suckled to adulthood by a she-mayor. We love this story so much that we, of course, we, of course, can't let it go. We'll be following it with you in the months to come. How it is, a couple of casino-owning billionaires who happen to also own the Kings are going to get a stadium built for them, paid for by you and me, the Sacramento taxpayer. It's quite a tale. And uh, our mayor thinks it's a great idea. All right, we really are out of time. Our thanks again go to Richard C. Hoddle, legend of CBS um, radio and television. Um, we'd also like to thank our new Hollywood correspondent, Gail Murphy, as well as KDVS's own Dr. Andy, our special media correspondent, Gary Chu, and documentary filmmaker Hannah Shakespeare for their input on Michael Moore. Stay tuned for Todd, who now may or may not discuss uh, what he's got to say about uh, about uh, local radio. Anyway, we'll see you next Thursday at 5. This is Radio Parallax. This program was produced by Edward McMillan, and I am, as always, Douglas Everett.